Amen. Thank you, Katie and Zach, for leading us. Um, and good morning, everyone. Uh, welcome to a new week, Monday. I know you probably had to get your ice skates out as you slid into class and into chapel this morning. But uh, as always, I'm grateful to begin a day and a week together uh, worshiping the Lord. And really excited for this next week. And I, I've mentioned before, some weeks we have an overriding theme over a whole week that all of our speakers kind of uh, 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 speak into. But uh, this week we have uh, three different speakers giving a window into um, the work of the gospel in and through their lives, but also how that's connected to what the Lord's doing in his kingdom, both here and around the world. And so uh, I'm excited to have Dr. David Nelms, who's going to be speaking this morning. I'll introduce him in just a moment. Uh, then tomorrow we have uh, one of our very own students, Parker Thibodeau, and uh, he is going to be sharing and super uh, grateful for what the Lord's put on his heart. And then uh, we have Pastor Stephanie O'Brien uh, from uh, the Mills Church, uh, and Mill City Church rather, on Wednesday is going to be here. And then uh, Thursday we have a prayer chapel in here. And then Friday, our praise chapel led by one of our student bands. So got a great week ahead of us, really excited. And uh, so this morning, um, I love when I get the opportunity to have kind of worlds converge and collide a little bit. Uh, Dr. David Nelms is a, a, a brother in Christ that I was introduced to a little over five years ago when I was working uh, and serving at the local church in, in the area of part of which was in the area of missions. And he's been someone who's really spoken into my life, uh, mentored me in some, some, some significant ways, and uh, become a dear friend over the years and a partner in the gospel. David's been a, a pastor most of his life, but about, uh, about 11, 12 years ago, uh, was led to uh, begin a ministry called the Timothy Initiative, which is disciples making disciples, specifically reaching uh, the, 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 the least reached and the unreached peoples of the world with the gospel. Uh, both here and around the world. And so, uh, would you please give a warm Northwestern welcome to Dr. David Nelms. And uh, would you place a hand out towards over David and a hand up as we pray for him and for ourselves. Well, Father in heaven, we want to continue in the truth that we just sang about. And that we're not just singing about you, but singing to you an endless hallelujah. And we want to say that we are here to worship you. We're here because of you. We're here to encounter you together in community. And Lord, thank you for bringing uh, David here on this day. We know that it is a part of your plan uh, to have him here. We know that what you have put upon his heart, that you um, would guide his thoughts, that you would guard his heart, that you would govern his words as he speaks to us, and that you would help through what he shares to help open up our eyes to see a plentiful harvest, and that we would know um, the part that you have called and empowered us to play in being your laborers together. And so, Lord, um, open up our hearts to receive um, as you share through your servant, through your son, David, and we are so grateful um, and for all in advance for all that you'll do. We pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. It's such a just a great thrill to be with you guys this morning. I love love this guy over here. He's he's a good man. And thank you, worship team. You guys did a wonderful job. And listen, it is so cold outside. I can't believe it. You guys are uh, I'm from Georgia. I told my buddy Jerry driving up here this morning, now I know why we lost the Civil War, okay? <laughs> you gotta be tough. I mean, you guys are just tough. Uh, I can't, I don't know, there are not words. 
Uh, TTI stands for the Timothy Initiative. We focus on making disciple makers resulting in churches being planted among your unreached and unengaged unreached people groups of the world. There's still some 41% of the world that's considered unreached, over 7,000 people groups, entire ethnicities. When Jesus said, go make disciples of all nations, he, was, he used the word ethne, ethnicities, people groups. There's still 7,000 of them that are considered unreached. But we're planting churches right now amongst 10% of those, 700 of them. Uh, don't think big churches, think, uh, don't think elephants, think rabbits, little churches that reproduce and multiply. Let me show you a couple of pictures. If you'll put up the first slide for me. This is a mountain church up in the Himalayas in Nepal. This would be typical. You just start climbing and you reach a clearing and there'll be two or 300 uh, people there, mainly Hindu, uh, Hindu some Buddhist, and they, they've not been rejecting Jesus. They do not know who he is. And so you tell them and they accept Christ and they become just passionate in their worship. Uh, next slide, please. That's a mountain church. We call, I'd call this a stairwell church. We've started oh, tens of thousands of these things. Just uh, you lead someone to Christ and they've been a Muslim or a Hindu or a Buddhist all of their life. They began sharing about Jesus with their neighbors and pretty soon there's 10, 15, 20 new Christ followers gathered together. And the goal is not to get big. The goal is because if you get big, then you got to build a building. And that costs money and that slows everything down. So the goal is just to make disciple makers and they'll go to the next neighborhood or the next village that has never had a church. You know, it's, it's hard for us to understand this even here in the Twin Cities because you probably drove by 10 churches on your way to church yesterday. But there are many parts of the world where there are not 10 churches. There are not any churches. There are still 300,000 villages in India that have never had a church of any kind. They are not rejecting Jesus Christ. They do not know who he is. Let's move from Asia to Africa. One more slide. This is uh, what we would call a tree church, okay, for obvious reasons. How many of you have ever been to Africa? Can I see your hands? That's what I figured a lot of you. Well, you who've been to Africa, you know it's true. There's always one tree. There's never two or three. There's always one tree out there in the middle of nowhere. And so that becomes the obvious place where we would meet. And that's a little village there. And we are seeing over and over again, especially along that Islamic line, sub-Sahara, between Islamic North and so-called Christian South, we're seeing entire villages turn to Christ. We just see everybody, the entire village, everybody. And it's really neat uh, to see what God is doing. We work in a lot, of, a lot of areas where there's heavy persecution. Christianity Today put out an article two weeks ago about the 50 most persecuted nations in the world. We are currently planting churches in three of the top ten. A lot, a lot of difficulties. I think you guys have that first video, persecution video. If you'll play that for me, I want these kids to see that, and then I'm going to share a few thoughts with you. I know a lot of these people. These are all messages that came in just on WhatsApp just over a couple of weeks from various members of our team. We're currently training over 30,000 church planters in 35, 36, 37 countries. And what you just saw is very, it's, it's just 
daily, just every day. And I think my primary purpose of being here today, and I'm honored to be asked to speak, but I think my primary purpose is I'm hoping somebody in this room will catch a vision of how God can use you to be a, a disciple who makes disciples, who makes disciples, who makes disciples. And I also am praying that God will raise up 10 or 15 young adults in this room who would catch a burden for the persecuted church and would be willing to pray. And I've got some cards down front here. I'm just going to be standing down front. If, if, you, if you'd be willing to pray, man, we need you. They need you. And I hope you will. Uh, a question has kept going through my mind as I've thought over the last few weeks about being with you guys. And that question is, can God use you? The world is so big and the world is so lost. Yet God has chosen us, John 15, verse 16 says, to go and bring forth fruit. Jesus said, you didn't choose me, I chose you. And he said, I ordained you that you should go and, and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. Those are the words of Jesus Christ. Red letter Jesus said those words. He also said, Matthew 28, that it's his will for us to be disciple makers. He said, go make disciples of all nations. And by the way, there's no please in that verse. It's not a request. You say, what if I don't want to do it? Well, I don't know what to say. He, he told you to do it. And in Acts, he said, make those disciples of Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the earth. There's no or in that verse. It's not here or near or here, near or far. It's all of the above. And so he is, he is, he is chosen us to bear fruit. It's his will for us to be disciple makers. And yet Satan convinces us we have an enemy. Satan convinces us that God cannot use us. May I remind you this morning that Jesus, again, red letter Jesus, said John 8, he said the devil is a liar and the father of all lies. He lies. And when Satan tells you that God cannot use you, Satan is lying to you. And yet that's what he does, and he's good at it. Satan will tell us uh, you're not smart enough. You're not gifted enough. You're not good enough for God to use you. May I remind you, can I just work my way through a few Bible characters? May I remind you that Noah, Noah got drunk, yet God used Noah. Jacob, Jacob, uh, Jacob was, he was kind of sneaky. Jacob lied to his own dad. I mean, I mean, big lies. Boy, God used Jacob. Moses killed a man. I mean, he killed a man. Yet God used Moses. Samson, oh my goodness, he had all kinds of, uh, uh, he, had, he had lots of problems, okay? Uh, you can write a book on him. I'm surprised somebody hasn't made a movie about Samson. Samson had issues, okay? But God, I mean, did you know the Bible says about Samson more than any other person in the Bible that the Spirit of the Lord came upon him? God used that guy incredibly. David. David slept with a man's wife and then had her husband killed. Yet David was a man after God's own heart. And the first verse of the New Testament, the very first verse tells us that Jesus was the son of Abraham, the son of David. Jonah. My goodness, Jonah had more. Jonah, was, uh, jo Jonah just had lots of problems. And yet God used Jonah to probably... Uh, bring in the greatest turning to God that this world's ever seen. 
as far as a single city. James and John, they, they, they had a lack of love. They had short tempers. They were always wanting to call fire down from heaven to burn up people. And I mean, I, I'm kind of short-tempered, but I've never, I've never wanted to burn anybody alive. But James and John did. It, God not only used them, but John became the apostle of love. How do you take a guy that wants to roast everybody and turn him into an apostle of love? Yet yeah, that's what that's what happened to John. Peter, he denied Christ. I mean, he didn't just deny him; he really denied him. And he really denied them at the, at the lowest possible point. I mean, he could not have been more disloyal than he was. Yet God used Peter. Paul, Paul persecuted the church. Paul, I'm, not, I'm no theologian, but as I read between the lines, it seems to me Paul uh, argued with just about everybody he knew. He had issues with John Mark. He had issues with Barnabas. He had issues with Peter. He probably had a lot of other issues that aren't even recorded. And yet God used Paul. I mean, how, how can we deny that? What about Mark, John Mark? He, he quit. He deserted Paul. And yet God used every one of these people. Can God use you? Oh, my goodness. May I share some stories? I know a guy in uh, West Africa, Cotonou, Benin. Anybody here ever been to Benin? A couple of you, maybe. Cotonou Benin. He uh, was born without legs. One of our Timothys led him to Christ. A church planner for us, we call him a Timothy. One of our Timothys led him to Christ, and he, no legs, but he would go out on the street corner, busy street corner there in Cotonou, and with a Bible, and he would stand on the street corner trying to share Christ with people walking by. And usually people with no legs in that part of the world, they're on the street corner asking for money. But not this guy. He's, he's trying to share Christ. He got active in the church, and he's growing. And, and there's a, a beautiful young lady there, and he fell in love with her. And he kind of hobbled over one day. He kind of walked with his hands because he just had little stubs here. Kind of walked with his hands. And he approached the girl's dad and asked, can I marry your daughter? And the, the, the father said, no, you can't marry my daughter. You, you're crazy. You must be crazy. You can't take care of yourself, much less a family. No, you can't marry my daughter. And, you know, it, it discouraged him, but he just kept, every day he'd take his Bible, that new Bible, and he'd go out on the street corner and he would share Christ. Most people walking by, they're busy. They didn't even see him down there. And occasionally somebody would yell at him or, or whatever. But one day a man walked by in a, in a beautiful suit, and the man stopped and listened to this guy. And he was well-dressed. And God got a hold of the, uh, he was a businessman. God got a hold of his heart. And right there on that street corner, that busy street corner, he accepted Christ as a Savior. Turns out he was a high-ranking official in the Treasury Department for the nation of Benin. And he, he started talking to the guy without legs. He, said, he found out he was studying to be a church planter. He, he asked, do you have a church building? And we don't build buildings, but we're not opposed to those who do. And the young guy said, no, I don't, I don't have a building. He said, would you like one? And the little guy without legs said, I'd love one. He pulled out his checkbook, and he wrote a check for enough money for him to buy his own church building. 
I mean building, not rent space, but built, he built, he bought a building. I've preached in that church. It's as pretty of a church as you're gonna building as you're gonna find anywhere. The place is packed. Just packed. You ought to see when he he sits on the front row, and when it gets time for him to preach, he kind of hobbles up and just and he holds on to the pulpit for balance. He doesn't stand behind it, you wouldn't be able to see him. But he just he holds on just to keep himself balanced. And and by the way, uh, that beautiful girl, the father changed his mind and they got married. Okay, they got married. Now, yeah, can we clap? I think we ought to. Now, can God use you? He'd use a guy without any legs. How many of you guys have at least two legs? Yeah, can God use you? Um, I know a gal in India, she can't read and write. She wanted to join one of our training centers. And our Pauls, those are the trainers, debated and they said, she can't, I mean, we got all these books. How's she, gonna, how's she gonna learn if she can't read and write? But they said, you know what, we, we look at the heart. And so they said, yeah, come on in. In the first four months, she led 80, 8-0, 80 people to Jesus Christ and started a church. And she can't read and write. My guess is most of you can read and write. Okay, right? You're from Minnesota, right? This isn't Alabama. You're from Minnesota. You can, you can read and write. Okay? Um, I'm actually from Georgia. The best thing about Alabama is it's next to Georgia, okay? So it's next to Georgia. But anyway, can God use somebody that can't read and write? Absolutely. Uh, talking to one of you about social justice issues. Uh, Nepal, big trafficking area. Bunch of girls. I think, Jerry, you may have met some of them on one of the trips. Some of, our, some of our church planters rescue these girls, for that matter, boys too, but usually it's girls. And they, they're, they're taken out of villages. Sometimes the mom and dad sells them. They just sell them. It's not that they're being kidnapped necessarily. It's, it's an intentional thing. They sell them because they're hungry. And the girls are used and abused, and, and some of our church planters will rescue these girls and bring them into Kathmandu. And I've sat in a room before on the floor with, a, I don't know, 20, 25 girls seated on the floor, every one of them. They can't go back to their villages. And they can't go home. They can't go anywhere. And they have no money and they have no education. And as you go around the circle and you ask, what are you going to do with your life now? What do you, want? you know what they say over and over again? I want to go to Bible college. I want to work with traffic girls. I want to help them like these people here have helped, like you have helped me. And they're doing it. Here's a girl that's 16 years old, sold by her mom and dad to some uh, trafficker, and, and she's been used, and, and, and she has no home, and she has no, she has no place to go, and she has no money. But now God's using her to reach other girls. Can God use you? I know a guy uh, in Asia. He was a wizard into the occult. One of the Timothy started a church there. They built a little grass-like uh, hut where the people would meet. Never been a church there before. And this guy was so upset. I mean, he's, 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 he's into witchcraft. So upset that he, he 
he would send his wife into the little church to urinate. He had a cow, and he would send the cow into the little church to, to, uh, use, to, to, to use the bathroom. He hated Christian. He hated it. One of the Timothys led him to the Lord, led his wife to the Lord. He became a Timothy. One day he's walking down the road. There was a ditch there. He saw, he saw a drunk passed out in the ditch. He was what they call the town drunk. He pulled the guy out of the ditch, carried him home, fed him, gave him something to drink, cleaned him up, led him to Christ. Now the town drunk is a Timothy, and he has started a church in the next village. Can God use a, a wizard that sends his wife into the church to urinate? Yeah. God can do that. I know a, a guy that, he was a thief. He lived in the woods, in the, in the, in the forest. And he would, he would uh, he, he'd sneak up to a village and he'd kind of case it out for two or three days. And he'd, he'd pick a house and he'd watch when they were there, when they would leave. And, and after two or three days, he had it figured out. He knew when the house would be deserted. So he broke into the house and he stole everything of any value. And he noticed there was a book seated on, uh, sitting there on a, on a chair. He had no idea what it was. It turned out to be a Bible, but he didn't know. that He'd never seen a Bible. And he stole that book. He put it in his bag with the other stuff. And he got back out into the woods, and he, he lived there around an open fire. And one night, a few nights later, he remembered he'd stolen that book. He had no idea what it was. He just pulled it out of his bag, and he began reading it. And he couldn't put it down. And the Holy Spirit of God took the scriptures, the Holy Scriptures, and just penetrated his heart. And after a few days of reading that Bible, he came to understand that, that, that he needed salvation. He needed, he needed redemption. And the best he knew how, he called out on the name of Jesus right there. He became a follower of Jesus. The very next morning, he went back to that house, knocked on the door, brought back the, the, the stuff he had stolen, including the Bible. He said, I stole, I robbed you. He said, but I robbed this book, and this book has changed my life, and I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but I know i got to bring it back, and I've got to ask your forgiveness. That couple brought him into their home. They forgave him. He became a Timothy. He started a church in the very home that he had previously robbed. Can God use you? God can use a thief. God can use a traffic slave. God can use somebody that doesn't have legs. God can use, God can use, I know two blind guys in, in Asia. They, we, uh, we, one of our partners, as faith comes by here, and they have those little proclaimer boxes. They call them over their Bible radios. They're not radios, but they're little gadgets where you push the button and you can hear the Bible in your own language. And so these two blind guys, they, they walk around with their sticks around the big city, and, and they just walk until they can hear. Usually blind people have good sense of hearing. Until they can hear a crowd around them, and then they stop. And they pull out their proclaimer and they push the button. And people can hear the scriptures in their own language. And they lead people to Jesus Christ. Are you hearing me?
Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? They lead people to Christ that way and they start churches. Two blind men. Can God use you? God uses blind people. God uses people without legs. God uses wizards. God, can God use you? Recently in West Africa, there was a prisoner. We start churches and prisons all over Africa. There was a guy there named Muhammad. Uh, he wore the robe, the hat, the whole bit. He, his hobby, if you ask him his hobby, he would say, my hobby was terrorizing Christians. He said, I love to beat up Christians. I love to help burn down church buildings. I love to, I love to uh, uh, kill Christians. He killed Christians. He's in a prison in Nigeria. According to Christianity Today, 90% of the Christian martyrs in the world last year, 90% were in North Nigeria. And that's where we plant. If you'd ask him, he'd say, my hobby is killing Christians. I love to kill Christians. He's in the prison and we started a church in there and, and he noticed all these inmates that he'd been with for years. Their lives are just changing dramatically. Just dramatically. And it drew him in, and he, 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 and he heard the word, he heard the, the, they read him the Bible, they handed him a Bible, and they read it. And he said, I've never, I've never had peace in my heart. He said, but as you read these words, there's peace in my heart. He said, I've never experienced anything like that. He gave his heart to Christ. They let him out of prison. He went home, his entire family rejected him. They said, you can't live here. You're not one of us anymore. We, we never want to see you again. But the guy's just telling Jesus everywhere, telling people about Jesus everywhere. There's another one, a similar story. Again, in a, in a prison, he was a, he, he, or he, not, not in the prison, but he was an imam ministering for Islam there in the prisons. And he preached in the, in the local mosques. And one of our Timothys gave him a Bible. He read that Bible. And he said, I've never in my life seen anything like this. I've never experienced peace like this. And he gave his heart to Jesus Christ. He'd been an imam for 30 years. His family came. They tied him down. They beat him up. They broke both of his legs. And they burnt his house down, including everything that he had. And he said, what bothered me the most was they burnt my Bible, my new Bible. You know what his testimony is? He said, I'm going to keep preaching Jesus in the mosques until I die. Or Isa, as he would call him. I'm going, to keep, I'm going to the mosques every day and I'm going to keep preaching Isa. Can God use an Islamic cleric? Can God use a, a killer of Christians? Can God use a wizard? Can God use a thief? Can God use trafficked girls and illiterate women and, and young guys with no legs? I want to close with a verse. Ephesians 3, verse 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. It is not can God. It is God can. God can use you if you want to be used.
We're going to be down front here. If any of you are interested in becoming a disciple maker right here in town, there's a guy, Jerry, can you just raise your hand there? Jerry Shomer spearheading that, and we got some prayer cards. Thank you very much, Pastor. All right, you guys are dismissed. Have a great rest of your day, and we'll see you back tomorrow.